This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Don't you understand? On ESPN Pittsburgh <laughs> and the iHeartRadio app. That was a hell of a marshmallow game last night, wasn't it? You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Check him out on the Twitter machine, at FBomber73. And you can check out Shirtless Tom, who's behind the glass, at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we doing radio up in here. Junior Smith-Schuster's lit, boys. He's lit, girls. He a ball player. And yes, he takes photographs with fans on the sideline. Yes, he has run a wrong route or two in practice. Yes, there have been problems. But let me put this in perspective just a little bit for you. Has he been suspended for marijuana use? Did he run anybody over in the south side? Was he merely guilty of being Antonio Brown light? Oh, ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. He's guilty of being Antonio Brown light. And yes, he has not performed to the level Antonio Brown has in the National Football League. He's having fun, but he's also being productive. And I think it's important to distinguish him from guys like Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant was causing so many headaches within this organization that they traded him. A guy who had a million touchdowns for this franchise whenever he was not suspended and able to play. Martavis Bryant was a valuable player. A guy who could stretch the field. A bona fide deep threat. And the Steelers traded him because he had requested trades, because he was a headache, because he was a P-test away from being suspended again. The next time Juju Smith-Schuster... Test positive for marijuana. It will be the first time he has tested positive for marijuana within the strict NFL guidelines. You have to put these things in perspective. Mark Madden has taken Juju Smith-Schuster to task. Others in the media have taken Juju Smith-Schuster to task. He has not been talking to the media, and that can be perturbing to the media. I understand. Guys who are there to do their jobs, who want to learn something so that the fans can learn something. Guys like Mike Pursuta, who on a daily basis, bust their hump, go down there on a hip replacement and ask questions and want to get the answers to the fans, I get why that would irritate them. I do. But it doesn't bother me. If I were a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I am to an extent, I'd want to see him perform on the field. And if the constant selfie-taking and self-promotion and... Ignoring of the media wound up with him dropping a pass or running a wrong route and having it go the other way for a pick six, then I'll get mad. When an athlete's selfish behavior and an athlete's obnoxious behavior carries over onto the football field and costs a team a game, a win or a loss, then you can get mad. Then I'll get mad. But I'm not just going to sit on a narrative that Juju Smith-Schuster is this cancer, this F-up, when all we've seen him do on the football field is be successful. Did he have a great game against Jacksonville in the playoffs last year? No. 
Join the effing club. Ben Roethlisberger turned the ball over twice, and those turnovers led to 14 points directly. He didn't have a great game. Nobody in the defense had a good game, let alone a great game. They all had bad games. So to single him out and say, oh, he doesn't perform in the playoffs, it was one playoff game where nobody played well. Nobody. Now, that doesn't bar him from being able to play well, but the Steelers put up a bunch of points. They were moving the offense in other ways. Vance McDonald was a huge part of the game plan. Maybe Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't quite. But when we saw Juju Smith-Schuster on the field in the regular season last year, he had 917 yards, most in the league for a rookie. He was the best rookie receiver in the National Football League. Now he comes in, one preseason game. It's the only sample size we have of him from this year. The only thing that guys like Madden have seen. And don't think I'm being critical of Mark. He's damn good at what he does. And he has a right to his opinion. But he hasn't seen him. This is the first time he saw Juju Smith-Schuster play this year. And you know what Juju did? 71 yards to the house. Every time Mark has watched him play, he has been largely successful. 900 yards. 71-yard touchdown. When he runs the wrong route in the game and it cost him the game, we'll talk. If he runs the wrong route in the game and it costs even points, we'll talk. But it ain't happened yet. So we ain't talking yet. 412-922-2874. This has become a generational battle. A battle of the old. Against the millennials, the lit, the woke, the avocado toast eating and craft beer swilling crew that I call my snowflakes. And today, snowflakes. Like the sea level because of Global warming, we rise. We fight back. Complain about Juju Smith-Schuster when there's something to damn complain about. Because right now, there's not. Ignoring the media? What? Your feelings hurt? You snowflake? You offended? Give me a break. First-string Steelers defense looked bad. Wonder if they were taking selfies prior to the game. If the Steelers defense was doing that... Then you can criticize. Javon Hargrave, who is a delightful young human being, if he was taking selfies on the sideline and he was running up and down the field and Jay Wobble's butt was bouncing and he's hugging fans and he's missing play calls and then he gets pushed around the way that he got pushed around in this game, it crushed him. I won't crush Javon Hargrave. Because he hasn't done all those things. But he didn't play well on the field yesterday. He's got to improve. And he's been so up and down in his career. He snuffed out a screen yesterday, which was a good play. He is quick. He's not your prototypical nose tackle, though. And you can't have a quote-unquote prototypical nose tackle really anymore in this league because it's just not the way things go. You want him to be position versatile. You want him to be able to rush the quarterback as well as clog up lanes and stop the run. He's got to be able to do both, and he didn't do those yesterday. He'll get better, you hope, but that was a concern. Stefan Tuick got moved off the ball a bunch yesterday, too. That's concerning to a point. Uh, mm, he's Stefan Tuick. When he's healthy, he's good. He wasn't good yesterday. He's working his way back. But the first string defense, tackling, is that what we're working on? Tackling, that's what I heard? Tackling? Then why are we missing the tackles? 
Why is Bostic, the guy who only missed five tackles all of last year, missing a tackle the first preseason game? Burnett, the guy who was brought in to tackle so that the big running plays, the big passing plays don't happen, he missed a tackle on the same play. 22-yard run by J.H.I. And when the other team runs the ball for 22 yards on a play, and they start gashing you, then the play action becomes a possibility, and then everything opens up. I'm okay with a 4-5 yard gain. I ain't okay with 22 yard gains. I'll give both of those players the benefit of the doubt that it's the first game that they've played in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. And the missed tackles could be contagious. But they sure as hell better look more like the players that we've seen on tape from their last couple of stops than the players that we saw on tape in the black and gold. James Conner can be a part of the Steelers' future, I think. Four carries, 25 yards. He's got some wiggle, yo. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He did get run over on one sack in pass protection. You want to be better there. But it's also going to happen. If it's Ben Roethlisberger, I'm probably a little bit more worried about it today. But he's come a long way in terms of his pass protection. You know what I liked? He recognized the guy he was supposed to pick up. He got to the right spot. He just wasn't physically strong enough to handle it. That'll come, and the eagerness to block will come. But the understanding is what I wanted to see, and I thought we did see it. Steelers running back depth is solid. I I do not envy the Steelers having to make that decision. And special teams plays a big part in it, but Steven Ridley's a back in this league, man. Matt Williamson was on with me earlier. He said he could be a number two back in this league. I agree. I think Fitz Toussaint is a wiggly little son of a gun. Uh, I like the way he plays the game. Jalen Samuels can't block, but he can catch the football and he can run, although he did not have an opportunity yesterday with that offensive line at the end of the game. Oh, my God. But that is a solid running back room, and we're not even talking about Le'Veon Bell. That being said, if Le'Veon Bell were here, he's still the guy. Let's not go down that path. I thought we might be having that conversation today. There are two conversations I thought we might have and we haven't had to have. Is Landry Jones losing the second string job? Nope, we're good. Is James Conner good enough to fill in for Le'Veon today? I mean, yeah, in a pinch. Well, trade. No, no, no. No, anyway. He's good. Le'Veon's great. So let's just make sure that conversation does not come up. I thought we'd be here till about five in the morning after last night's game for the post game show because I thought we were going to see 8,000 helmet on helmet penalties. Lowering, I guess, the helmet penalties, to be more specific. And I was all set to bitch. I was all set to moan. I might have already written a monologue about it, just assuming that that was going to be the case. But it didn't happen. One. Now, there are way too many flags overall, but that always happens in preseason. You got schlubs who are trying to make their career by blocking, trying to get away with a little tug here and a little tug there. Now, I do know people who have made careers off of a little tug here and a little tug there. But that's not the point. The NFL can survive these calls. The NFL can survive the lowering of the helmet penalties. If yesterday showed the players adapt and the referees adapt, and it doesn't have to be called a bunch during games. And if it has an impact on player safety, great. I don't know if it will. I do think it'll have an impact on whether or not I enjoy the game as much. 
But the NFL has been through far bigger changes than that one. The Mel Blunt rules, people still came back and watched the game. Heinz Ward's breaking people's jaws. The Heinz Ward-Keith Rivers rule. We found a way to move past that. The headshot suspensions, we're still watching. Defenseless receiver rules, we're still watching. The NFL's alive and well. Top 17 things trending on Twitter yesterday were all NFL-related. We'll survive this, too. No need for hysteria. Speaking of which, Howard Eskin from Philadelphia, WIP, says that the Steelers are cheaters. During the Eagles-Steelers preseason game, this is his tweet, I should preface, there was at least one Pittsburgh football found that was very deflated. The NFL has the football and is investigating. I saw the football after incompletion, and it was like a marshmallow. Yeah, the Steelers aren't cheating in a preseason game. I should rephrase that. Yeah, the Steelers aren't cheating in a preseason game. We'll discuss that more in depth with Tim Benz coming up next. And what's he think about small hands Mason Rudolph, baby? You know what? He could make a career out of... Never mind. It's a Crowley show. The Adam Crowley Show. Making my way downtown. Walking fast. Faces passing. I'm homebound. Should I go lower? Staring blankly ahead. Just making my way. Making a way through the crowd. On ESPN Pittsburgh. It is Deflategate 2.0. The Pittsburgh Steelers will vacate all of their wins this season, no matter how many they accrue. And really, there's no reason to talk about Pittsburgh Steelers football anymore. Cancel Steelers Nation Radio. Don't buy your tickets to the games. It's all null and void. Doesn't matter. It's like Paterno. No, wins don't matter. It's depressing. Joining me now to discuss the Flake 2.0 is our good friend, the official vampire of the Crowley Show, from Breakfast with Ben, Steelers Nation Radio, and the Steelers Radio Network. He is Tim Ben. Well, I make of the Flake 2.0 that it's further proof that the Patriots do everything better than the Steelers. They got busted <laughs> in the AFC Championship game. The Steelers get busted in a preseason game. The Patriots are smart enough to do it with their Hall of Fame starting quarterback. The Steelers did it for a fourth-string quarterback who was making his preseason debut. The Patriots did it to the point that it was a matter of decimal points away from being legal. The Steelers did it so bad it was obvious with the naked eye. They just, the Patriots are so far ahead of us in every regard here in Pittsburgh. The Steelers have so far to go to catch up. It's just it's, it's amazing they've even been quasi-competitive with them over the years. Tim, have you gotten a lot of Patriots fans saying, See, see, you guys do it too? Not one, and I've been waiting for that. Uh, maybe it's because right off the bat when I saw the story, I said, well, Mason does have small hands, so I just led some credibility to it. That is <laughs> true, just, though. Mason's got I, that big body, but he's little tiny Trumpy hands. And for the record, I, I don't know how that's possible. When I first when I interviewed him last week, the first time I did a one-on-one with him, I, I, I guess I did want to take that back. The draft, he came over, but it was like across the table, so I didn't shake his hand. I shook his hand up at training camp. And I did it on purpose. Like, I made him shake my hand because I just wanted to get his weird little man hands on mine to see if they were close to the same size. And, and you know my man crush on Rudolph. I do. Adam, obviously. I just, I just wanted to touch the fair man. So, you know, I 
I wanted to make sure that I actually made contact with him. And uh, I, does he have small hands? Those are small hands. See, I thought the same thing. Whenever I shook his hand at the, it was either the draft or I was walking up. Oh, so you got to touch him too? I did touch him too. Beautiful looking man. What a jawline. It takes you to a dimples. point, doesn't it? It's a strong grip. And, and the thing is, Tim, I didn't think his hands were small either. I've got little tiny hands. But I'm wondering if by NFL standards, when he, I remember when he got measured at the combine, I was like, ah, eh, they're not great. Yeah, you know okay. what, though, it's funny about it, because I so badly want to dismiss this and make it sound like, well, this is why the NFL Combine is so stupid, where it gets down to you know, the eighth of an inch of somebody's hand or something ridiculous like that. It goes into the third round, but what have we known about him so far? First pass attempt at training camp, ball slips out of his hands, uh, has trouble holding on to the ball in the uh, training camp a couple times where he's rolling out, can't get a grip on it because he's on the run all the time. Uh, he lost the ball yesterday, got it sorted out of his hands. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a little something to it, but it certainly isn't to the point that he deflated the football so badly that it was noticeable to Howard Eskin on the sideline. I mean, and let me ask you this: uh, when it comes to Deflategate, did Garoppolo get to deflate the football to his specifications in New England? I don't remember that being part of the talking points. Do you? Yeah, I don't think that that's part of it. I don't think that like, they're testing out the deflated ball for dressed, Ben. If you have four quarterbacks dressed, you have three different sets of footballs, all at different. PSI, is that how it works? See, that's just another example, like you said, of Bill Belichick being better than Mike Tomlin. Yeah, it's just true, I guess. Too yeah. many deflated balls. Tim Ben's joining us here on the Crowley Show, although I have heard, Tim, an eighth of an inch makes a huge difference. Anyway. Well, that's a different measurement entirely. One more thing about the deflated football, though, if you don't mind. Yeah. Did, did you like my theory that I put out there as to what happened? Did you see it on Twitter by any chance? I did not. Okay, so here's my theory as to what happened. The ball was deflated. They wanted to make it so obvious that the sideline reporters for the opposing team could notice it. They wanted to do that so what they could do is then get Mason suspended for four games, put him on the suspended list, open up a roster spot. Once the roster spot gets open four weeks in, maybe someone's got a quarterback hurt by that point. Someone's desperate. You trade Landry Jones. Then when Rudolph comes back after four weeks, you can put Josh Dobbs. As the inactive guy, Rudolph goes to be the backup quarterback. You've managed to keep Dobbs, and now you've gotten something big for Landry. I like the idea of Ben Roethlisberger not wanting the next one to arrive too quickly. I like Ben deflating the football so that he gets suspended. Oh, no, I like that. That's good. So he wants to smudge the reputation of the new golden boy. Kind of like Bill Stewart with Dana Holgerson at West Virginia. I actually do like that idea. There might be something to that, that there, Ben deflated the football to make Rudolph look bad. There might be a Breakfast with Ben's column about that. Ben does have a Tom Brady jersey. Ben is also a passive-aggressive prick. <laughs> All right. You said it more. You said it directly. I just brought up the jersey thing, so good for you. Tim Benz joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, I was impressed by Rudolph's ability to move in the pocket last night. It's one of the things I've really liked about him. The ball security thing is no doubt an issue, though, at this point. But I like that aspect of his game, and I think the ball security thing can improve. Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting him to be great. For as much as I joke about, you know, my man crush on him, and that's not a joke. It's 100. I, I haven't been taken to a place meeting a person like that since I met Brooklyn Decker at the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just put that out there. But uh, as much as I like the guy, I don't think he's been great in camp so far. I was not expecting anything better than that, unless for some reason. I, I will expect something better from that than that from him. 
if they do put him behind better offensive linemen in the second or third quarter of the next two games. I, I do think he has been hurt thus far uh, playing behind really poor backup offensive linemen. The, the depth of the Steelers' offensive line after, like, B.J. Finney and Chooks is just – they don't have NFL players there. No. no they do they don't, and I think wasn't that on display last night? Oof. Wasn't that obvious last night once they got down to the depths of the O line? Uh, poor Jalen Samuels took the brunt of uh, it. Oh my God, that guy didn't have a friggin' chance. Yeah, and, and more than really, you know, micro analyzing some largely garbage reps that Mason Rudolph got because I I thought I said on the DV pregame show that he was going to get sacked at least twice or have a turnover. That was one of my guarantees, and he got sacked twice and put the ball on the ground. So I'm going to give myself a point and a half for that one. Damn right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, if uh, Philadelphia falls in that one, I think I get four out of three. That would be a pretty good percentage. But you know, to the point of the offensive line, what the hell is B.J. Finney doing out there blocking for Josh Dobbs? You can't afford to be losing either of those guys right now, Filer or Finney, with the way that the offensive line depth looks. I He's think... a starter now. You don't have your starting offensive you line and blocking for the quarterback who's going to be cut or stashed on injured reserve in three weeks. Chris Hubbard was the swing tackle last year, but before last year, I never looked at him as tackle capable. I always thought he would be a better inside guy, and I think if push came to shove, they would still have felt comfortable using him there. His loss hurts. Uh, The fact that Gerald Hawkins is always hurt, that stinks, although he was going to be more of a tackle than a guard. Their offensive line depth is scary to me, and more so, obviously, at that tackle position than at the guard position. But here's the thing, though. who uh, Give me the football team that has seven good offensive linemen. The Steelers from last year. But I think it's a good point. Uh, Williamson and I were talking about that on the postgame show yesterday. Uh, every team in the league right now is going, boy, I hope someone cuts an offensive lineman, and because everyone's thinking it, no one will. Well, this is what's funny, Adam. Is like, you know, if, you, if you go over to the other station right now, they're probably not talking football. They're probably complaining. It's it's seventy year old men calling to show complaining that the pirates don't have any pop from the eight hole in their lineup. <laughs> well, who does? You know, like oh, the guts is such a very guy. All he does is hit two fifty eight. Well, show me a lot of teams in the National League that have three hundred hitters in the eight hole. It's you know, show me a seventh really good offensive lineman. I you know, I, I guess it looks good now that they ended up getting a, a core four. Who knows? You can see as much time as anybody from this rookie class before things are said and done. But, um, you know, I, you can't risk Finney in a preseason game blocking for your fourth quarterback. I don't know who the next guy is in that guard rotation, but if Dobbs is in there, that guy should have been in there. Tim, big question here. Is Juju lit? <laughs> he was last night. You know who was lit last night was Damone Patterson. Yes. He, that guy. Hey. We, talk, didn't we, we talked about him uh, before the game in the DVE studio. Yes, we did. Yeah, we talked about him on the pregame show. We talked about him on the morning show. And um, I th- he was lit, especially the backflip. That was lit. That's like an old-school celebration that was impressive. Not as creative as hide-and-seek, but impressive nonetheless. The, uh, could you do a standing backflip, you think, Adam, or no? <laughs> I could close, do one. No, I could do it, yeah. You come to a, would you just fall over backwards and say that was my attempt? That's no joke. I've tried it, and... It's not going to happen. I tried to do a somersault for a cheese tease maybe a month and a half ago, and it was almost certain death. See, that's what I think you should do for the cheese tease tomorrow, especially shirtless Tom. You guys should just do any. Does anybody have a pool between you and Brian and Tom? Does anybody have a pool? Does anybody's parents have a pool? Anything like that? Brian has a pool. 
This could be like uh, what's his name, Travis Pastrana, isn't that the the motorcyclist name? No, uh, like, I, I I think it's Travis Roast Beef. Okay, so you go, you do the practicing of your backflips over either foam or water. So that's what you guys should do. You should all try to do backflips over foam or water to see if you can do a backflip like Damone Patterson. But I heard your rant about Juju Smith-Schuster earlier in the program. I, I don't know, Adam. I, I think it's okay to be critical of his personality. If we're talking about his personality, you don't think his personality is a bit bogus? If the like personality just, affects the on-the-field play, then I'll be right there with people who are okay, criticizing him. You're talking him. more about on-the-field play and how does it match his, yeah, all right. Well, if no, he's been fine. He's, he's a good player. He's, he's a good player, did not get in the way of his performance last year. He just stunk against Jacksonville. He wasn't any good against Jacksonville you, in the playoffs, it, but it, he was a very he was the best rookie wide receiver in football. You know what, Tim? I don't necessarily know that Madden's going to wind up being wrong here. I think that there's a chance he's right. That being said, let him be right before he starts going nuts. You know what I mean? You, well, were you just talking about Madden, or were you talking about me and Pursuit a little bit, too? Uh, I did not know that you guys were in on it, but I, I think that it is something to keep an eye on. But at the same time, 900 yards, he comes back, 71-yard touchdown catch. Whenever he starts running wrong routes that go the other way for six, then I'll start getting pissed, too. Well, he's just he's, he's a new-wave athlete in the sense that he thinks that social media is real media, and social media is good to him because it's his own thing. So he sees interacting. A lot of these younger guys don't see people as interacting through the media with cameras and microphones and notepads and pencils. They see interacting with the media as their own social media. And that's why there's a big rub between him and people that cover the team is that, you know, when he feels an obligation, like once a week or post game, he gets all bright and smiley and the lights come on, he flashes a golden smile and, you know, does things for the camera to get on his social media. But, you know, if you try to have an an actual personal human interaction with him, he just, he blows you off and looks down on you. So that's, that's who Juju is. I'm just going to say that, that there's no other way to describe it. That has happened to everybody who has covered that team at one point or another. He's talked once this year, and that's because he was forced to go to the podium. I do get that point of it. Tim yeah, Ben's joining sure. us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Tim, the helmet-lowering penalty. Only one! How about that? I thought we were, I thought we were going to be in doing post-game right now. I thought the game wouldn't end till like, n- noon today. Yeah, there were 20 penalties last night. Now, that was a lot. Yeah, there were 20 penalties, and... Uh, you know, a lot of people are crushing. We're so spoiled as football fans watching television that, like, people were crushing KDKA last night. How come they're not showing any replays? They don't have the cameras to show them. <laughs> it's a local preseason game. Um, it was hard to see what all the penalties are. I, I wanted to see. It's frustrating. I get it. You, why are all these penalties being called? Why are they calling people for penalties and you're not showing us the penalties? Um now, I don't know, maybe they did have the shots, the director just didn't take them, or the cameras weren't in the right space, or they weren't uh, looking at the right guys. But I saw the helmet penalty. It was called right. Uh, you and I went back and forth on Twitter a little bit last night. I don't know that that is called last year because I think there's even more of a heightened emphasis. The guy wasn't hurt, and he had caught the ball already. I don't think he was completely defenseless, so I disagree with you there. I don't think it would have been called last year, but then again, I wasn't sure it was an illegal hit last year. I, my my knowledge of what is a hit being legally illegal is just worse this year than it was last year. My opinion on this is going to be this is going to be the catch rule of 2018. It's going to have to bottom out. We're going to have to hit the nader and then just fix it and uh, make it simple again, like we did with the catch rule. 
this offseason. That's what's going to have to happen for 2019. We'll have a crisis point. We'll have a major game influence like the Jesse James game. People will go crazy. Something bad will happen in the Super Bowl. There'll be a revolt, and they'll make it simple. But then again, no one's ever sued over a drop ball, but people sue over concussions. So maybe I'm wrong. Last thing here for you, Tim. James Washington goes up over Avante Maddox. Hey, deja vu all over again. And, oh, that beautiful one. Oh, it's just tremendous. They did it to a pit guy again. <laughs> it was excellent. It was so fabulous. And what I liked about it was that, but I also liked the fact that he goes up and gets the football. Uh, he's, right. he's done it a bunch in camp. That's fine. Uh, but he misplayed a ball, I thought, in the end zone earlier on in the game where he kind of turned the wrong way. That struck me as weird looking. And then this one, though, he goes up, he takes the football away at 5'11". You love to see the combat catch. He's what? How many inches shorter than Martavis? Four? Five? Yep. Five inches short? I have no confidence whatsoever that Martavis Bryant would have caught that football. How about you? Probably not. Probably not, right. So he needs to be getting more reps with better quarterbacks. He needs to be practicing with Roethlisberger. Like you heard Roethlisberger on the DV morning show last week, right, where he kind of cavalierly and proudly said that, well, I haven't even thrown to him yet. Who's this guy? You know, like, I know, I know you guys are talking about him, but he's, he's got guys to pass the depth chart. Who? Marcus Tucker. Who? DHB? No. He, he should be your third receiver. Damone Patterson. Right now, well, maybe, <laughs> except for Patterson, <laughs> who should take AD's job. Or at least Juju's. Did you see Mark Caballi call out that Roundtree dude from the station across the street because he said, "Oh, this Patterson guy reminds me of Antonio Brown." Oh no, Cavalli called somebody else out. He well, Cavalli is media police. You know that, right? Like he's the he's the he's been designated what? by himself what? as the media cop. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Mark is Mark is my friend. He's a good friend of mine, and I will not have his name slandered on my radio program. Tom, good good job with the quick trigger there. I can't have that happen. Mark is a tremendous person. He's not media police. Kind of like media mall copy, but no. Police. Too far. And really, it's offensive to police officers to say that Mark Bali is a police. Blue Lives Matter. Coming up next, the hottest take of the day, other crap, and the three stars of the show. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. 9.70 a.m. 104.7 HD. And 106.3 FM in Allegheny County. New improved signal. You're damn right. I mean, that was the out cue, Tom. Do I have to say it again? The Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's Adam Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoy being, you know, and now we're talking about a weekly spot on the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be picked. Freebies are up. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. It is a sad day here at the Crowley Show. Intern Jerome is leaving. Which brings me to the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. How's this for hot take? We actually like you! How about that? Thank you. We thought it would be nice if we all went around and gave our favorite 
Jerome moments or our favorite things about Jerome. Brian, if you would like to start. Oh, you want me to start? You just had those big old eyes, baby. Yeah. I liked having Jerome around. I really did. He took a lot of crap from us, <laughs> as any intern should. A lot of crap. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I'll miss most about Jerome didn't happen until today, his last day. In an effort to brown nose and possibly get a job in the future, he brought a ton of ice cream for us to eat. Unsolicited. Just brought ice cream in. He brought uh, Klondike bars. Uh, he brought some... Uh, drumsticks. Drumsticks. Yeah, he brought drumsticks. I mean, in true Jerome fashion, when I got to the Klondike, yeah, it was melted. But it was good. It was thought that counted. Um, there were no drumsticks left. There was an empty box under my desk. Jerome. Um, but he- that's what I think I'll remember most about Jerome is his thoughtfulness. His attention to detail. His loving nature. His ability to tell the worst jokes humanly possible. All those things are things I'll miss about Jerome. Thomas? A couple things I'll miss about Jerome are obviously his ability to write copy for a sports update without repeating any words or having sentences that run on for three pages at a time before the first period makes its appearance. And he taught me a real lesson about energy. You know, that was something that I really struggled a lot with on the Crowley Show when I first started here, and I still struggle to this day with it. It's coming with a lot of energy, and to Jerome, it's just natural. You know, once the mic turns on, he's just a, a supernova of energy, and I, I really I really appreciate you teaching me that, Jerome. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll miss you a lot, buddy. Oh, Love hard. you, buddy. That was heartfelt, man. That's moving. It's from the heart. Yeah. Jerome, when... I read your copy for the first time. I thought, wow, this guy is not concise at all. And then you cracked the microphone and you wouldn't expand upon anything. <laughs> and it was a contradiction, all wrapped up in one nice, neat little package that we'll call Jerome. And we appreciate you being around. I appreciate the diarrhea that the ice cream is going to give me tonight. And I'm looking forward to seeing you down the road, pal. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate it. Jerome, now would be the time where you tell us mm-hmm. what you would miss about us. Well, I just start told, with one at a time. Well, Brian, yes. my favorite memory of you is always able to expand on the joke. You know, someone starts a joke and then you just took it and ran with it, man. And it, it like you would make it better than the original. That is, joke. That's a good one. Wow. That's a really good Thank one, you, actually. Jerome. That's a really good. Wow. How about Tom? Tom, my favorite ability or with you is that um you actually did teach me a lot and i really appreciate actually, you you really surprisingly <laughs> no, you know i i did learn a lot and we had valuable time together during all those otas when you taught me and stuff and also uh tom you were funny too you you had you had some good jokes what was one thing i taught you jerome that you took away and you'll take back to college uh ac- editing better like in and out like like of you know, sound editing tight, like making it as tight as possible, you know, not leaving any space. It always has to be as tight as possible. Has to be tight. Yeah. Super tight. It ain't worth it if it ain't tight. Nope. What about me? Adam, my favorite memory of you was definitely the show when you were hungover. It was just very entertaining. What? <laughs> That's it? It was just a show? I remember he was Adam hungover. when he was drunk. But, <laughs> but I also think definitely the ability of... Uh, you know, you do bring the energy every day for sure. Like, you know, and you you did teach me about energy. And then when I imitated you, that's when I learned energy. <laughs> Just because, I mean, you know, you, you do have passion for your show every day. And I, I think the three of you guys... 
come together to put together a hell of a show every day. Wow. And, uh, wow. Jeez. It, it, was, it, was, it was fun to be a part of it. It really was, you know. And the cheese tease ideas, I think that was my favorite collective thing, how the three of us would sit, or, well, the three of you would sit there and not have any idea of a cheese tease, and they would just come together in, like, two minutes. Like, and I just thought that was so cool, like, the thought evolution there, like, how, like, we'd be, you guys would be sitting there, like, what are we going to do? This is really nice. And this then, is super nice. Keep talking, Drew. And then... And Shut the hell up. We got to end the show. And then all of a sudden, it would just come together, man. Like today's marshmallow football eating contest. There you go. Hey, Jerome, real quick, just so Crowley can sit easy through the weekend here, because it is a Friday long time till the next show. Just for, for all intents and purposes, could you tell him that he's the best yeah. on this show and your favorite thing about your internship? Yeah, my favorite, inter- my favorite thing on my internship was the Crowley show. No, Adam Crowley specifically. But the host specifically was pretty pretty like pretty say, great. Adam, say Adam Crowley Tell was was my favorite part of being an intern at ESPN Pittsburgh on 1067 <laughs> or 1063 1047 HD2 970 AM um I radio app. Yeah, all those places that we could listen to you and your podcast. Can't forget about that. I mean, it's wonderful to listen to you, and it was wonderful to be a part of the Adam Crowley show every day. You good now, Crowley? That was the hottest take of the day. <laughs> Woo! Other crap. Damon Patterson looked really good in space last night. I wonder if Mike Pence called him up to join the 6th military branch. Woo! Other crap. Felix Hernandez has been moved to the bullpen. The King's reign is over. Woo! Other crap. It's been 618 days since Pitt Basketball won a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Matt Williamson. Matt, I know you're very opinionated when it comes to the anthem controversy. Would you like to comment? (laughs) Nah. Okay, very good. Let's talk about Mason Rudolph. (laughs) Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Adam Crowley. Landry Jones is not terrible. Landry Jones is a quality backup in the National Football League. The Steelers think he's better than 80% of the backup. (laughs) Was that burp audible? I didn't think that it was. I didn't think that it was. It smells. (laughs) For the record, when you ask that, it usually is. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, Deflategate 2.0. I like the idea of Ben Roethlisberger not wanting the next one to arrive too quickly. I like Ben deflating the football so that he gets suspended. Oh, no, I like that. That's good. So he wants to smudge the reputation of the new Golden Boy. I actually do like that idea. There might be something to that, that Ben deflated the football to make Rudolph look bad. There might be a Breakfast with Ben's column about that. Ben does have a Tom Brady jersey. Ben is also a passive-aggressive prick. (laughs) And if that wasn't enough, we have a bonus star. And tonight's bonus star in honor of our favorite intern, Jerome. ESPN Pittsburgh Hometown Sports Center. Good evening. The Pirates alone game one streak was snapped this afternoon in Cleveland as they failed to complete the sweep of the tribe and were shut out. Jerome. Four to nothing. Now the Bucks, who are three games above 500, turn their attention to the 42 and 57 New York Mets. 
Give me it for a four you game weekend set. It will do without the best hitter. You ain't assessed, but it's go. now officially done for the year. It will undergo season ending surgery. Speaking of injuries, the hand injuries. Energy, it's fine. By Sterling Martin, is being called a hand contusion, and he's listed as day to day. <laughs> We're going to miss you, buddy. Who let the dogs out? All right, Jerome. Hey. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. See you never. Yeah, you coming back next year? I don't know. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> if you guys have anything to say about it, then no. Love you, going to miss you, not welcome back. You have the last word. Whatever you want to say Ooh. to end the show, whatever you want to say. How much time? You've got 20 seconds. All right. The Browns are beating the Steelers on September 9th. That's, that's all I have to say. And here we go, Browns. They're going to have a big time year. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And I'll Show talk me. to you never Show again. Me. What is it? The Adam Crowley Show. We'll talk, they'll talk on, to you on, on Monday. On? on ESPN, Pittsburgh 970, 1047, and a bunch of... Day, two, day!